got your Bibles, I am in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 11, Acts 1, 6 to 11. I want to preach today on the subject of our mission, if we can see it. Our mission, if we can see it. And I want to take you to Acts. And I may get through this, may, on one sermon, may take me two. We are going on YouTube, so uh, we've changed our title. I've been thinking of what we might call it, and I wanted to try to give our YouTube channel uh, something that if you were just searching for the word Jesus, you might come across us. You with me? So we're calling our YouTube channel uh, Jesus for You. Jesus for You. And so if you look on that, I think it's Jesus for You with Pastor Joe. Is that right? Is that right, Drew? I think so. Jesus for You with Pastor Joe. So if, you, if you're ever looking, it's not Shaker Town anymore because anybody that's just maybe thinking about who this Jesus is or wanting to hear something about Jesus isn't going to do a search on Google or on YouTube for Shaker Town. It would never come up. Does that make sense? So we changed the name, the name of it to Jesus for you. And, and I want you to know Jesus is for you. Amen. He died for you. Uh, he lived for you. He's coming back for you. Amen. Jesus is for you. He loves you. And He is for you, not against you. Amen. And that He wants you to be in a relationship with Him. Jesus is for you. And so that's what we've, we've called it. In Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11, I want to talk to you about our mission, if we can see it. There are times on my journey, or may I say our journey, that we need to remember Psalms 121, 1 and 2, which says, I will lift up my eyes under the hills from which cometh my strength. Some of the things that Kelly was talking about to us today as we were sing, singing. My help or my strength cometh from the Lord. Amen? It comes from the Lord. There was a story of a man who was uh, walking around and he found a gold coin that was worth, gosh, a, a, a lot of money. And he just stumbled across it and found this gold coin. And he spent the rest of his life with his head down, looking on the ground for other treasures that he might find. And as he went through his life looking for treasures that he might find on the ground, he missed out on the beauties of the sunsets, the beauties of the relationships with people. He missed out on the starry nights. He missed out on so much because his head was focused, his eyes were focused on the ground. Sometimes when our eyes are focused so much upon this earth and what's going on in this crazy world that we live in, especially a year like this year, we begin to, we begin to lose what we really need, where our strength really comes from. Are you with me? And so my prayer is that we would lift up our eyes under the hills from which cometh our strength. Now, Jerusalem, the holy city, was on a hill. And so the psalmist said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to get my eyes on all these things, but I'm going to lift up my eyes to where God is. My help comes from the Lord. And he goes on to say, the maker, the creator of heaven and earth. That's where our strength comes from. Amen? Now, we live in a crazy world. Crazy stuff happens. But our strength and our confidence is in Jesus Christ, is in our God, the creator of heaven and earth. You got your Bibles. I am in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. I invite you to stand with me as we read today these verses and we think about it. Acts 1, verses 6 through 11. 
So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and the cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may you take this beautiful story of your ascension and your promise and your command, and may we apply it to our hearts today. Our Lord, speak to us and help us to lift up our eyes unto you. You are our strength, our help. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All God's people said amen, and you may be seated. The disciples had dreamed of God's kingdom being restored on earth. They dreamed about it. They hoped for it. They thought that's what Jesus was doing. As soon as he began to, to gather great crowds and all these miracles were going on, and they were convinced he was the Messiah. They were convinced, right? They were convinced. Thou art the Christ, Peter said. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus said, well, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed it to you. He knew, they knew, that he was the Messiah. And the Messiah, according to many Old Testament prophets, was going to establish a new kingdom, a new kingdom of Israel, and the Messiah would reign, and they would gain this prominence and this power and this prestige that they had once had, and it would, be, uh, it would be a reign that would go really over the whole earth. And they were looking forward to that. And so if Christ is the Messiah, and here he is with us, then why wouldn't he, okay, why wouldn't he be establishing the kingdom of Israel? And so they asked him that question as we look at this when they had come together. They were asking him, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Is it now? Is this it? Is this it? And so they were dreaming, but their dreams was focused on a political dream. Are you with me? It was a political dream. They wanted this political reign to occur. It wasn't a spiritual dream. It was a political one. And so they, and, and it would have been, listen, it would have been easy to have been where they were. Now, looking back, we can see how, how did they miss it. It would have been easy to. Here's Jesus. He's, he's risen. He's come back to present himself to them. And you would have thought, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, it's got to be now. <laughs> Amen. And so that's what they were hoping for. But Jesus gets their minds off, completely off of this political dream that they have and begins to tell them, no, it's not for you to know time. Get, quit, thinking about, quit thinking about what things of yours politically for the nation of Israel. We have a job to do. You have a job to do. Are you with me, church? Amen? You have a mission to do. And he's going to talk to them about that mission. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. The mission that we have. We have a mission that God wants us to do. 
We look to Christ. We look to God. And we're going to carry out this mission that He wants us to do. It's not a political mission, but it's a spiritual mission. Are you with me? Amen. It's a mission in which we're trying to reach folks for Jesus Christ. Now, as I worked on this sermon through this week, uh, between searching for good jokes, right? <laughs> uh, I've got several points. I'm not sure that I'm going to get through them all today. So I may stop somewhere along the line. We'll pick it back up next week. Amen. Are you with me? But we're going to take our time and think about our mission. If we're here and God's given us a mission to do, then I think it's important that we understand what our mission is. Are you with me? Amen. And so we're going to think about it. Now, first of all, as we think about our title, our mission, if we can see it, sometimes we just, sometimes our head's at the ground, and our head's on the world, and our head's about what's going on around us, and we're forgetting what our mission is as God's people. First of all, I want you to see yourself in this mission as a witness, as a witness. Now look what he said. It's not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by His own authority. God's got this under control is what He's saying. Amen? God's got it under control. There's times, there's ages, there's stuff that happens. God's got it under control. Don't you worry about it. God's got it under control. But look what He says, but verse, but verse 7, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my what? Witnesses. You're my witnesses. You're my witnesses. You're my witnesses. They had forgotten what he had said in, back in Matthew 24, just before his crucifixion, about his, his second coming. He said that nation would rise against nation, and there would be wars, rumors of wars. There'd be famines and earthquakes all over the world, and the gospel would have to be preached all over the world. And then, then that's when the end would come and his kingdom would be established. They had kind of forgotten what he had said about his coming in Matthew 24. And they had got their minds on different things. So they had begun to, to forget about it. They were false prophets that were to come. and They were all kinds of problems that would happen. And the world would go on and, and the message would have to be sent. But they had forgotten it. They were to be witnesses. What does a witness do? What's a witness do? You ever been a witness? Anybody ever been a witness? Ever been a witness in a trial or court? I was a witness when I was just a kid about, gosh, I must have been, 15 or 16, <coughs> and I was a witness. And uh, it, well, they, didn't, they didn't call me in because I was, uh, that I was better looking in it than the other, anybody else. And, you know, he said, hey, this guy would be a good-looking witness. We'll bring him in. Now, they could have done that, right? Right? Would have made perfectly good sense, right? They said, we'll call this guy in because he's so intelligent. You know, he's just an intelligent person. Now, we could get into it, but this, this guy's so intelligent, let's bring him in. Well, we know that wasn't the reason, right? That couldn't have been it, right? They brought me in because I experienced and saw certain things, right? I, I was there. I was near it, and I saw it. What it was was there was this uh, car that was driving down, down by our house, and our neighbor was hit by this car, and this elderly gentleman that lived next to us passed away. And this, Gosh, this is way back in the early 1970s. But so I was called in because I had seen the car go by. I was a witness. Okay? So what did I do? I spoke of what I experienced, the truth of what I experienced. Amen? That's what, that's what I was called in there to do. It wasn't based on whether or not I was rich or poor or smart or intelligent. It, none of that mattered. If I was male or female, none of that mattered. 
All it was was what I knew, what I experienced, what happened to me. Are you with me? That's what a witness does. A witness sees something, experiences something, and shares what they know. Are you with me, church? You are, he said to his disciples, my witnesses. And that's what you are as well. You're a witness for Jesus Christ. So what do you mean? What has Christ done for you? How, he has, how has he changed your life? What impact has he made in your life? Now, I believe there are basically three, three ways to witness, three easy, basic ways to witness. The first one I've talked about, what's your story? What's Jesus Christ done for you? How has he helped you? What has he delivered you from? What difference has he made in your life? And if you're here today and you're saying, well, the Lord's not made any difference in my life, then I would argue that maybe you don't know him like you should know him. Amen? Because when you know Jesus, he's going to make a difference in your life. What difference has he made in your life? You know, when Paul was brought before different people and kings and different places and, and to churches, do you know that three different times in the Bible, he talks about his own personal story. And he would say, I was... I was on this road and this light appeared and, 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 and I f had these scales come on my eyes, couldn't see. And He tells how he met Jesus Christ and how Jesus raised him up and commissioned him to go preach. He tells his own story over and over and over again. Are you with me? One way for you to be a witness is to tell your story. No one can tell you that your story isn't true for you. <laughs> Amen. Jesus came into my life and has given me a peace. Who can say that he hasn't? <laughs> well, somebody will say, no, you don't, you don't have any peace with Jesus. No one would, right? Your own story, church, listen, is a powerful witness. A powerful witness. Tell, first of all, your story. Secondly, you can tell not only your story, but the Jesus story. Amen? Tell his story. It, it is powerful. A God who loves you so much he sent his son into the world to die for you. And he went to the cross and died because he was paying the debt of your sins. And tell the simple story of Jesus. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to have a lot of Bible verses memorized. You know the story of Jesus. You know it. Amen? Tell the Jesus story. Tell your story. Tell the Jesus story. And thirdly, if you're struggling, bring somebody in and I'll tell them the story. Are you with me? Let someone else tell the story. Let a minister, a pastor, a preacher, or a friend, someone else tell the story. When I was, uh, when I was in uh, college, I, I, got, I got excited about Jesus when I was in, in college. And, and uh, I just wanted to be, I went through high school, I was a mess. Y'all know what I mean? Amen? No? Amen? I went through high school... I was just, I was lost in the culture, right? I was just doing what people were doing, and I didn't know anything. I was just confused like most of America is today, amen? I was confused. But, but Christ made a difference in my life before I started going to college. And it was a process that happened, but Jesus came into my life and really changed my life. And I started going to uh, this church with this pastor. Gosh, he could preach. Man, he could preach circles around me for days. Amen. He was just so anointed and so gifted. And so I started saying, okay, Lord, how can I be a witness? And I had a friend. His name was Chris. And, and uh, I just said, Chris, 
we studied together. I said, Chris, let's go to church. Let's go to church with me. And we were, we were friends. And he did. And he started going to church with me. So not all the time, but quite a bit. I'd go over to his house. He was over at my house. And I just invited him to church. I didn't share a lot with, with Jesus, a whole lot with him. But man, when he was sitting under a Brother Doug's messages, he was, Brother Doug would always tell people about what it means to be saved. He, he never preached and didn't. You all with me? Amen. And I knew he would. And so I witnessed to him and I told him my story. And he heard Brother Doug. And we went, I went to school with him, of course, four years. And he never did make a decision for Christ. And then I met him about a year later. And a year later, he had given his life to Jesus. Amen. And I was so upset. I was so mad. I was I worked with you for four years to try to get you to trust Jesus. You wait till after I'm out of the picture. Now you trust Jesus. I don't, I don't get it. Amen? Of course, I'm just kidding. I was excited and thrilled that he had given his life to Christ. He'd grew up in a home where Jesus wasn't a part of it. His mom and dad weren't in church and different things. and he, he, It wasn't. It was completely new. It took time for God to break into his heart. Are you with me? First of all, church, listen to me. See yourself as a witness as a witness. Wherever you go and the relationships the people that you have, see yourself as a witness. Everywhere. The disciples were a mixed bag of people. There were hundreds and then thousands that were saved after uh, the day of Pentecost. They were just a mixed group. Young and old, and male and female, and some smart and some not so smart. And some had uh, wealth and some were poor. and They were just a big bunch of group of people just all mixed up. But they were to be witnesses wherever they were. Are you with me? Can you see it? Can you see your mission? The title of this sermon is Our Mission, If We Can See It. Can you see that God wants you to be His witness? Can you see it? You are my witnesses. You shall be my witnesses. Then he says, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Did they go to the uttermost? Did these group of people ever go to the uttermost parts of the world? No. But he said, but he said, you're my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Okay. And the and even to the remotest part of the earth. Well, these this group of disciples, men and women, they weren't going to make it to the remotest part of the earth, but eventually. We're getting to the remotest part of the earth. Amen. It would take hundreds, thousands of years for the gospel to get to the remotest part of the earth. Folks, this is for you and I. This is for you and I. Do you know America today, if we think about, think about where we are, we're in the middle of America, in the middle of Kentucky, one of the best states. It's got to be the, the 49th or the second best state in the nation. Amen. It's got to at least be that, right? It's got to at least be that. But if you think about where they were in the Middle East, in Jerusalem, I tell you, this would have been the re, one of the remotest places on the earth, wouldn't it, at that time? And here we are, worshiping Jesus and talking about this commission that he gave these disciples. These disciples. They were witnesses. Not under a witness protection program. I want you to know that. They were witnesses, and some would pay, pay severely for it. I'm going to tell you, when you're a witness, I don't know what it costs you. 
I don't know what you're going to struggle with. James, one of these disciples, would soon die being, that, being a witness. Sometimes it costs us a lot. But listen, our, our mission is to be a witness. Amen? To be a witness to the truth of what we know. Whether it costs us a lot or not, we are witnesses. Now, secondly, I want you to see not only yourself as a witness, but I want you to see others in a desperate condition. A desperate condition. I want you to see other people in a desperate condition. Michelangelo one time was, was walking with his friend and he was going to this place where they were, there was these big pieces of cut blocks of marble. And he was there with his friend and he walked up to this big block of marble and he just stood there looking at it. And he just kept gazing at it and looking at it. And he did this for not only a minute or two, but several minutes. And his friend's there by him and his friend's like, okay, it's a block of marble. How long can you look at it, right? And finally he said something to Michelangelo about it. He said, uh, you know, we, gotta, we need to be going or whatever. It's a, it's a block of marble. And so he's trying to hurry him up. And Michelangelo said this. He responded, there's an angel in that block and I'm going to set him free. You see, he saw in that block of marble what he wanted to sculpt. He saw it. Are you with me? Now you know where I'm going? We have to have the eyes of faith and we have to have the kind of vision to realize that in people, whoever they are and whatever their background is and whatever they're going through and whatever they're struggling with, that those people, whoever they are, that person needs to be, can be set free in Jesus Christ. That person is a brother, a potential brother or sister of ours. That person is a potential child of God of ours. That person, it doesn't matter. That person needs Jesus. The last person you would ever thought would have given their life to Christ was a fellow by the name of Saul of Tarsus. But uh, God knew. Are you with me? God knew. The disciples wondered about it, and even after he was saved, they're like, I'm not so sure about this guy. And they were very reluctant to be, even be around him because they had heard of all the things he was doing as he persecuted the Christians. But God knew. And there were some other people that saw that too. People like Barnabas and different people realized that, no, wait a minute, God's doing something marvelous in this life. Amen? So see people as people who need Jesus. I tell you, the world needs Jesus. Are you with me? Amen? People need Christ in their life. And so look at people with those kind of eyes, the kind of eyes that have faith and the kind of eyes that have love for people, knowing that people need Christ. Somebody saw you and saw that you needed Christ. Amen? Somebody was praying for you and somebody may have shared the gospel of Jesus with you. It's, it's doubtful that many of us in here at all just were just blanks without any knowledge of Christ and and uh, we just somehow stumbled across Jesus in our lives without someone bringing us to church, telling us about Jesus, praying for us, working in our lives, being a part of our lives. Amen? You with me? And as I say that, you can go in your mind right now and think about the people in your life that have told you about Jesus and pointed you to Jesus and prayed for you and shared Jesus with you because they loved you and they saw with the eyes of faith and love that God could reach you, and God did. Amen. And God's still working that way. 
he's still working that way. You know, someone who's an anorexic doesn't see themselves as someone who's slowly dying. You know what anorexic is, right? Someone who's just starving themselves, and they look in the mirror and they see themselves as like they're overweight, and they're just rail thin. Amen? You with me? And they don't see themselves for who they really are. They can't see themselves. And some people just never see themselves, and they die. But but people that know them and people that love them understand what they're struggling with and try to get through to them. Are you with me? It's the same way with lost people. Lost people don't see themselves as lost. They don't realize that they're without Christ. They don't realize they're in danger of dying and perishing. They don't realize the, 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 the consequences of an eternity without God. That's a scary thing, amen? It's a scary thing. But we know, we understand it, we know their need. We know their need. We know how desperate it is. And so a witness shares the truth, and a witness has other people in their heart. A witness knows and shares and sees the need that people have. Do, are, we, are we thinking about the needs of lost people today? Or, or are we lost in our own world? Our mission, the title of our summer today was Our Mission, if we can see it. Do we, can we really start to see other people, to put other people ahead of ourselves, to think about their deep spiritual needs that they have? Sometimes I, sometimes I think that we're just so wrapped up in ourselves, myself included, that we're forgetting about the great spiritual need that exists among so many people today. I believe every year that our nation continues, I believe there's I believe there's more and more percentage-wise of people who are just without Christ. And I, I guess that speaks to the I guess that speaks to the the ineffectiveness of the church or the fact that we're not about our mission as we should be. You see, what God's design was was for not just not just a few guys to start a church and preach and hope that it would be successful, but that he would fill his but he would fill his people with his spirit, every single one of them. And every single one of them would be scattered all over the place. And every single one would have friends and family and neighbors. And every single one would be a witness. And every single one would have a heart for the mission and love people, not just 12. This, this wasn't a call for 12 men to go out and change the world. This was a call for all of those disciples to do it. Are you with me? These 12 men wouldn't make it over the remotest parts of the world. But all of us, all of us can. And I don't think that God's necessarily calling all of us to run off to out-of-the-way places and uproot our lives. Now, if He is, we better get after it. But I don't think that He is. But He is calling us to be a witness right where you work, right in your school, around the people that you're around, to be His witness. To make a difference. And uh, I'm praying for some people that, that uh, God's placed in my life or placed, allowed me to be a part and around people. And I'm, I'm praying that God, God will use me. Amen? Be with me. And I pray you would be too. There's some people you can reach that maybe no one else could. You remember being lost. Do you remember that? Struggling to understand life and figure out yourself. Wanting and not wanting to fit in. That's a strange feeling. Wanting to fit in, but really not wanting to fit in. You ever been there? 
I have. I wanted to fit in, but at the same time, that's not the kind of life I wanted to be a part of and didn't want to fit in. Someone saw the potential in me and someone sees the, saw the potential in you. I pray that we would see the need in other people. Thirdly, I've only got eight of these points. You think I'll get through it today? He's nodding off. Amen. <laughs> I'm almost finished. I'm not going to finish it today. Thirdly, I want you to see your world. This, is, this kind of ties in with what I've talked about. I want you to see your world as a mission field. A mission field. I, I'm reluctant to even use that word mission field because when you think of a mission field, you automatically think of a missionary and you say, well, I'm not a missionary. Well, in a way, you really are. You, you're, you have a mission field. Are you with me? Your mission field, even though we're both here in Kentucky, living in, living in this beautiful, wonderful state of Kentucky, even though we're both living in this same state of Kentucky, my mission field is not your mission field. And your mission field is not somebody else's mission field. I'm going up to school where I work, and I'm around certain people and certain kids and, and going different places. That, that's my mission field. Some folks are in a college around people, and I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not up there. I don't have a voice there, connection with people. So I'm not there. That's not my mission. Some of you work up at the hospital in Lexington. That, well, there's your mission field, your mission field. Some of you are, are farmers. Some of you are truck drivers. Some of you are computer specialists. Some of you work at factories. We all have our own mission field. Are you with me? And church, it only takes, it only takes one generation to sit down and say, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to plant the, the corn. I think I'm going to eat the seed corn for this, thing to, for this thing to really stop. Are you with me? Let me tell you what I mean, and I'll close with this story. It's told by a fellow by the name of Del Mar, Del Tar, excuse me, Del Tar. He spent 14 years in West Africa in a place called Shael, which is under the Sahara Desert. And this is a strange place, and you may have seen documentaries on this on TV before, but it only rains for a, for a, few, a short time. It only rains from the months of May through August. And then after that, the rains just quit. They just quit. So at the end of August, when the crops come in, El Tar talks about how it's a time of rejoicing. It's a harvest time. And there, there's these festivals. And people are eating three meals a day because the harvest is abundant. But then he says, when you get to around December and January and early part of February, those meals drop to two meals a day because they're realizing they have to, they have to try to make it. And then he says, when you get into March and even May when the rains start, it's going to be a while before the crops are up. And for a few months, two or three months, 
It's one meal a day. And people are praying. People are praying for rain. And he tells this story of, of this man who, who is in those lean months. And he's there and his son walks in and his son sees this big bag of grain. And he says, Dad, there's grain out here. We've got something to eat. Let's cook it. Let's, let's grind it. Make some food. And his dad looks at him and says, Son, we can't eat that, that. We set that aside a long time ago. That's what we have to sow so we can survive next year. You see, folks, if we just think that the gospel is ending with us, well, we're saved and that's all that's important, then we start eating our seed, our seed corn. You with me? The Bible says this. The Bible says the sower went out to sow. He didn't go out to eat or to sit around. He went out to sow. Because he knew if he didn't sow, that wasn't going to be anything to reap. Are you with me? And if we want to see some blessings on our nation, if we want to see people come to Christ, then we got to get up and we got to sow. And if we just sit back and say, well, things are good for me, and I'm not going to sow anything, I want you to know our nation's in trouble. Are you with me? If the lost people who are gaining control of our nation, listen to me, if they're the ones that's going to take us forward, we're in trouble as a people. We've got to be sowing. But it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Because for us, church, and I'll talk about this next week, for us, church, our vision is not temporal. Our vision isn't for four years or ten years or our lifetime. Our vision is eternal. Are you with me? And people's eternity is at stake. And we've got to be willing to be people that, are, that, have the, that have the courage and the sacrifice to get out in, a, in our mission and sow something. I believe, I believe God expects that of us. You shall be my witnesses. You shall be my witnesses. Sharing what you know about Christ to a world and he names every Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, little father, Samaria, little father. And then he says, to the remotest part of the world. And here we are in remote Kentucky. And it's our place to be sowing and being the witness that God's called us to be. God's not called you to just ride along till it's over. He's called you to be sowing. Now, you may have great success. You may sow and you may not see a lot. But let me tell you something. Paul said this, some plant, some water, but God causes the increase. Are you with me? You be planting. Invite people to church. We'll water. And we'll give God the glory when some increase occurs. I believe, listen to, listen to me, church. As long as we're here, as long as we're here, God's going to be saving people. He will be saving people. He's going to be saving people. 
and we have the privilege to be a part of it. Now, when he's through saving people, then he'll come and get us. But even after that, during the, during the tribulation period, the way I understand that time, he's still going to be saving people. He's going to be saving people to the very last, very last moment when no one could be saved. And we're called to be a part of this kingdom work that he calls us to. It's, it's not easy sometimes. But it didn't say it would be. Amen? It didn't say it would be. And I pray we can see it. We can get it. I don't mean intellectually. I'm talking about seeing it deeper in our life of what God's really called us to be. Are you with me, church? Amen? To be the people that God wants us to be. To be reaching the people that God wants us to be. Even Listen to me. If you live your life and you could reach one person for Jesus, one person, just one person for Jesus. I tell you, I believe that person in heaven would be <laughs> would be so thankful that 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 you were you were here. Amen. Let's be let's be about our mission. If you're here today and you've gosh, you've, you've never given your life to Christ, that's what this church is about. And I pray you'd invite Christ into your life. And I pray today, church, that we would, we would look back to Psalms 121 and we would lift our eyes up into the hills from where our strength comes. Our strength comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And as we live in this crazy times, let's, get, let's make sure that we are about what God's called us to be about, doing our mission. Are you with me? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day beautiful time. Lord, the world turns and goes and events occur and happen. Sometimes we're very encouraged by them. Sometimes we're very disappointed by them. But Lord, it's not for us to know all about times or epochs. But our focus needs to be our mission. Sharing the truth of Jesus Christ to a world that's so desperately in need. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us to get back to what our number one call is, to be glorifying you and being your witnesses wherever we live. There's one here today that's never received Christ. I pray that open their, their heart and just invite Christ into their life with a simple prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I do believe that you died and rose again on my behalf. You said, Lord, if I'll call upon you, I'll be saved. And at this moment, I just call upon the great name of Jesus Christ. I believe. Come into my heart, Lord, and be my Savior. Lord, for those of us that know you, I pray we'd pray a simple prayer as well. Lord, help me to return back to the focus of my mission. In Christ's name, all God's people said, Amen.